Good morning. Scripture reading for today is found in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. And if you want to follow along in the Pew Bible in front of you, you can find that on page 1068, or the words will be up above on the screen. Would you please rise in honor of God's Word? John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. This is God's word. Please be seated. We Christians like to say that the Christian life is more than religion. The Christian life is a relationship. This morning I asked the question, why is the Christian life a relationship? And what exactly does that relationship look like? The Christian and the answer to the answer to both of those questions, the why and the what, is the Trinity. If we had a unipersonal God, like a God all alone on a tropical island. then relationship is not the center of who he is, and therefore Christianity would not be about relationship if that is not the essence of God himself. But we have a triune God who we have been describing as more at a divine party where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit love one another and glorify one another The very center of their being is this, what the theologians call the perichoresis relationship within God. And because God is that way, that's why the Christian life is about a relationship. So what is that relationship supposed to look like? It's supposed to look like the relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
The Christian life is designed to be inaugurated in the waters of baptism, where we are immersed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Christian life culminates when we die or resurrected and ushered into eternal communion with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The beginning and the end are Trinitarian, and everything in between is as well. This morning we are going to explore what it really means to have that kind of relationship with God himself. Our Father, open the yourself to us today so that we might enter in. In Christ we pray. Amen. The premise of this sermon series on the Trinity has been that the creator God of the universe is reflected in all of life and in all of the Christian life. Not only is he reflected, but life itself and the Christian life flow from the very essence and center of his being. So when we can begin to understand that perichoresis, that inner relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, life begins to make sense. We understand our purpose in life and, and how it flows from who God is. And we understand now this morning the Christian life. And what we have seen about this inner relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is that they are in a love-glorifying relationship with each other. That they themselves, though three persons, are one with each other. They are one God. And therefore, they are in each other. The Father and the Son and the Son in the Father. And they love and glorify each other completely filling one another with their love, with their glory, so that they are completely full and content in themselves. Therefore, they revolve themselves around each other. The result is the divine party of perfect and complete joy. So if that is the perichoresis within God, and he is the designer of the Christian life, he calls us into this as the Christian life, we will see each of these within the Christian life itself. If the union of God is such that the Father is in the Son, they are in each other, then we would expect that in some way, in the Christian life, we would be in God and God would be in us. If the relationship within the triune God is that of love and glory, then we would anticipate that the Christian life would be about receiving the love and glory from God to such fullness that we no longer have to worry about those in our lives, but our lives now can be turned around to love and glorify God. If the, Christian, if the Trinity is about 
the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit revolving themselves around one another than we would expect. The Christian life would be about us finding God as our center, revolving our lives around Him. And if the divine party is an experience of perfect and complete joy, then we would expect that the Christian life should be a life of perfect and complete joy. And that is exactly what we see in the passage before us in John 15. My task this morning is not to exegete this passage for us and lay it out in such a way that it comes verse by verse. But because we are focusing on how the Trinity itself impacts our lives, especially the Christian life, then I want to look at each of the four elements I talked about and show that this is part of our experience with God. This is what it means to be in relationship with God. And I'm going to start backwards. Joy. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have perfect and complete joy within themselves. They need nothing else. They need no one else. They are full and complete. Jesus says in this passage in verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. You see, the Christian life, the experience in the Christian life that Jesus desires is our lives to be filled with joy so much so that our joy is complete or it could actually be translated perfect as well. That's what God wants in our Christian lives. And I know that's in contrast to what a lot of people outside the church think the Christian life is about. They often look at the Christian life as more of a joyless, smileless kind of experience. And sometimes we live out the Christian life just like that. There's something wrong if we have because it really means we have not really connected to the vine. The Christian life is about having complete joy, but not the kind of joy the world experiences. Jesus says at the beginning of the verse, I said these things to you that my joy may be in you. See, we're not talking about a worldly joy. We are talking about a Trinitarian joy. The joy that Jesus Christ experiences. And that joy is based completely on his relationship with the Father and the Spirit of God. He is so content, so fulfilled in that dynamic relationship. He has perfect joy. And he says, that's the kind of joy I want you to have. I don't know if you've ever been at work and some a co-worker comes in kind of floating on the clouds. And he's just oblivious to everything that's happening around him. And so you turn to, to, an, to another worker next to you and you say, what's up with him? And she says, oh, he's in love. I remember uh, my life pretty much was what everyone's life is. You're struggling and your heart rises and falls with maybe the, the grades you get, how well you're doing in school 
or they rise and fall with your work and how successful you are there or your financial experience or if your car is running right or your house is falling apart and my life was just like that. It would rise and fall with these grades or money or uh, the experiences that were happening and then I fell in love. And what the amazing thing was is those things didn't seem to matter much anymore. The thing that mattered was is does she love me? And if, if I really felt that day she loved me, I'd be floating on the cloud and these things really became inconsequential. But if it seemed like our relationship was not going well, didn't matter what I could score on an exam or how much money I made at the job, my heart sunk. Because my joy was tied up in a relationship a love relationship. And what Jesus is saying, the Christian life is about our joy that is tied up in a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Where we are so in love with Him, our hearts rise and fall with our experience of His love. And the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of this love. And so that's why Jesus says a couple of verses earlier, the teaching he was giving, as the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Remain in my love. You hear that? Jesus is saying the Christian life is about remaining in his love. You see, I think back to, to the falling in love. And this first experience where I'm on the top of the world because it's all about how much she loves me. All of a sudden that begins to drift away because I stop focusing on and remaining in her love and start letting the a love of other things start to creep into my life. And now those things start to rule my heart. And Jesus says here is not only come into my love, not only know that I love you, but remain in it just like a branch remains in the tree trunk. You have to stay constantly connected to that love. And we do that by staying connected to the gospel of Jesus Christ where the love of Christ is so displayed, the love of the Father so concrete. But again, what is this love? How much love does, the, does Jesus Christ have for us? He says it at the beginning of the verse again. It's a Trinitarian love. As the Father loves me, so I love you. Have you, have you ever stopped to pause to think about that for a moment? As much as the Father loves the Son. That same kind of love Jesus Christ has for us. And of course, if you ever doubt it, kneel at the foot of the cross for a moment. Feel His love poured down there. And remain in that love. That's the source of our joy. 
The Christian life is Trinitarian. It is to be an experience of joy out of relationship. And just as in the Trinity, the dynamic, the center of the dynamic that is happening is a love-glorying relationship. The Christian life is about living in that love and that glory. And we just saw that. Let my love abide in you. And in turn, when we are so filled, we turn back to God to give him love Glorify him. And we see that in this passage as well. For Jesus says, verse 15, 10, If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, at first glance, it looks like, oh, so I have to keep the commandments if Jesus is going to keep loving me. And so it's, God's like a harsh taskmaster. But it's the second part of the verse, again, the Trinitarian part of the verse, that informs us what Jesus is talking about. He says, just like I keep the Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, why did Jesus keep the Father's commandments? Did he keep the Father's commandments because he was so fearful under God? He lived a life of oppression Fearing that God would separate himself? No, he lived a life following God because he loved God. It was the love of that, re- that he had within that relationship that drove him to want to live out his life precisely as God wanted him to live it out. To live out his life in God's will. And it's God's commandments that bring forth so much of God's will. And so when we love somebody, we desire to please them. We want to know what they desire. When you buy an anniversary present for your spouse, hopefully it's not a burden. You are wondering, what does she, what does he want most? And so you'll search for that, and you'll go out and get that, and you'll give that. It's not a burden. It's a joy that you then rejoice in as she receives that gift. That's, that's Jesus' relationship with the Father. And it's that kind of relationship he wants to have with us. If you love me. See, when we are filled with God's love, the first question we should be asking is, God, I love you. What do you want? God has the commands and he lays them out before us. If you love him, you keep his commands You stay in that intimate love relationship with him because you've poured out your love to him. He's poured out his will into you, and you're one. And therefore, we love God by keeping his commands, and we glorify him. Now, there's no command in this passage that says glorify God. It's assumed. Jesus figures if, if you're there... You're going to want to glorify him, so that's why he says in verse 8, By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And so we are called, not only, we're not called in this passage because it's assumed, we are told the answer to the question, How do I glorify you, God? And here's one of the biggest answers he could give you. Bear much fruit. Now, how do we bear fruit? 
What kind of fruit are we talking about? And some would say, well, we're talking about leading others to Christ. Teaching others, discipling them so they mature in Christ and their fruit develops in their lives. Others would say, the fruit we're talking about is Christian character. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think most people would say, it's, it's not one or the other, it's both and. And so, we love God and we glorify him, just like the Father and Son, Holy Spirit do with each other. And so, if the Trinity, within that perichorus is, each member, each person revolves himself and his life around one another. That's what we expect to see in the Christian life, that we revolve our lives around God himself. And we've already seen two pieces of that, by loving him and glorifying. There's a third piece in that passage, and that's our prayer life. Who do you revolve your prayer life around? Remember, that is made perhaps the most powerful part of our lives is our prayer life. And Jesus, you know, we can infer that from Jesus' words here is, if my words abide in you and you abide in my word, ask whatever you want and it will be done. Here it is. You know, at first it sounds like we've got some uh, genie Ask, and it shall be done. What, how powerful it is to have a genie, right? This is one of the most powerful parts of our life is our prayers. But it's the first part of this verse, verse 8. Excuse me, uh, verse 7. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you shall wish. See, it's not, you know, search deep down what's your greatest desire, ask it and I'll give it to you. It's like, are you connected to me? Are you living in me? Are you living in my love? And do you have my mind living in you? Are you so saturated with the word of God that you are in union with me and my desires and my wishes? And when that happens, you know, our prayers change to this. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And our lives and our prayer lives revolve around him he enters into them and ours become, uh, his become ours. And the first thing we said is if the Trinity within that perichorosis union, the Father lives in the Son and the Son lives in the Father, And Jesus, in his prayer in John 17, says exactly that. Father, I in you, and you in me. Then we would expect the relationship with Jesus Christ isn't simply, 
It is about talking to God and listening to God. It is about us being in God and God being in us. And Jesus speaks of that. He says, I am in you and you are in me. We are to live in attached, connected, getting our life from the vine. We are to be in him. We are to remain in him. And in turn, he lives in us. He dwells in us. The spirit of God comes in and fills us and lives inside of us. Us in him and him in us. And so we see in this teaching about the vine, Christian life is about relationship, about being in Christ and Christ living in us. Verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The picture is before us, the vine and the branches. The branches get their entire life from the vine. As soon as that branch is cut off, it loses its life, it dries up, it dies. It's worth nothing but to be thrown into the fire. But as long as that vine, as long as that branch is getting its nourishment from a healthy, strong vine, that vine will be alive, vibrant, it will bear much fruit. That is the picture of the relationship of the Christian life, of us living with Jesus Christ as our source of life itself. We need to be connected to that vine. And we connect ourselves to that vine through quiet times where we spend deep, intimate time with God, wherein we are so connected with Him, He begins to recenter our lives around Him as we walk out into our day. To be connected to Him, to remain in Him, means we don't leave our relationship with God in those, that hour of quiet time or those minutes of quiet time. But we pray unceasingly, as Paul says. We keep a communion going with God throughout the day where he is ever present with us. It means God's word is in us, that we are saturated with God's word. And the Spirit of God takes that word, which is his sword, and leads us and teaches us and begins to, and transforms our mind and transforms our hearts. Now, you should have two questions. First, I thought we'd been talking about gospel-centered living here. In fact, if you have the vision picture, it's the gospel in the center. So I'm talking about Trinitarian living, and the church is talking about gospel living. Is there, is there some tension here? And the answer is no. These really are hand in glove. The Trinity... And all that I've been talking about forms the Christian life. The gospel is the means through which we live out that life. 
The Trinity forms the Christian life. Like we just said, what is the Christian life? It is about being connected to God. It is about abiding in His love. It is about living for God, living out love and glory for God, centering our lives around God, experiencing a perfect joy. These are teachings that I'm holding before us to aspire to. But the means itself is the gospel. That life connection to Jesus Christ between the vine and the, the branches is really centered in the gospel. As I said a little earlier, how do you abide in Jesus' love? You sit at the foot of the gospel. How does God bring us into relationship with him? Well, God the Father so loved the world, he sent God the Son to carry our sin upon the cross. So the Holy Spirit now comes and convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment and enlivens a faith that we have that connects us to God in that relationship. That's the gospel. Our entire life source flows from God we are connected to it through the gospel. See, I often refer to three core needs in our lives. And I go to the gospel, the, the Trinity to get those. And I said, it was natural that if we are created by God to love him, to know him, that we would have a God-shaped hole, a, God, a, a God-shaped hole that God fills of love. That if we were meant to glorify Him, because that's what's happening in the Trinity. And remember, the word glorify means value, cherish, to value, to make much of. Then we have some sense of need for an esteem to be valued. And then because we, we live in this flesh, we have a need for physical life, for some sense of safety and security. And what's very interesting is if you go into modern psychology, almost anybody who looks at core needs includes these three. But, it's our, but these are all to be filled by God. And it's all filled in the gospel. Our need for love, we turn so often to other people to fill that. And God has said all along, I so love you that while you were with sinners, Jesus Christ died for you. Is there a greater love? Is there a more secure love? He says nothing, neither life nor death nor power nor principality, things present or things to come, there is nothing on the face of this earth that can separate you from that love. How do we know that? It's in the gospel. It is there through the gospel we connect to that vine and our love is need for love is fulfilled. We need to be valued and so we talk about self-esteem. Let's be, we need to be esteemed so we need to feel that about ourselves and we often turn to our accomplishments or what other people think about us. But all along, it is God who treasures us and values us. How do we know he treasures us and values us? 
How much did he pay for us? Not with gold or silver or precious stones. He paid for it with his life. You are valued. You don't need to look outside anything else to be valued. You get connected to the vine through the gospel. When you look at the cross and you say, it doesn't matter if anyone else values me. Because the God of the universe so treasured me, he gave the life of his son. And we worry about the things in life. Do I have safety? Do I have security? And we know God's sovereign, but can I trust God to watch over me? And Romans 8 tells us, look at the cross if you want to answer that question. If God gave his son, will he not freely give us all things? Can you trust that God who at the cross gave his son for us? That now he's going to change his mind and say, <clears throat> no, I'm not going to watch over you anymore. <clears throat> Life in the Trinity is one with the gospel-centered living. A second question you should be asking is, well, what about the Holy Spirit? <clears throat> I thought the Christian life was about walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. And, and I haven't even heard you say, include the Spirit at all here, and, and Jesus doesn't. <clears throat> and that should, we should say, well then, if Jesus here talking about the Christian life doesn't bring in filling with the Spirit, then it isn't that Jesus disagrees with Paul. It's that they're one and the same. <clears throat> they are flip side to the same coin. When you walk in the Spirit, what happens? The fruit of the Spirit is produced in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, etc. What does Jesus say in this passage? If you abide in me, you will bear fruit. If you don't abide in me, you cannot bear fruit. So how do you get the fruit of the Spirit? By walking in the Spirit, but it also must come by abiding in Christ because there's no other way to bear fruit. See, abiding in Christ, being walking in Spirit, are the same thing, just two sides of the coin. One focusing on the work that God himself is doing in us, the other focusing on our connection to him. <clears throat> Jesus Christ is our vine. We are branches. We need to be connected to him, and when <clears throat> we are connected to him, it is his life that flows through us. Paul put it a different way. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me and who rose. My faith is in the gospel, and through that, I disappear. And Christ lives in me and through me. We were struggling this week, some at home, and 
Karen reached a place where she said, I can't do it. And she went onto her computer, and she, this first thing she connected to was this site. <clears throat> it was a YouTube, YouTube piece. And right in the middle of it, it said, you cannot do it. It captured us. And I want to conclude the sermon by giving the last couple minutes of what he said. You don't have to go it on your own. You don't have to pull off the impossible on your own. You don't have to fail any longer. Your God is ready to do it in you and through you. You can't do it. You can't muster up the discipline. You can't muster up the intellect. You can't muster up that strength. You can't muster up the perseverance and fortitude. He can. You can't love the lost. You can't love those who spit upon your faith. He can. Don't pray that God would teach you how to love like he loves. Pray that he would fill you with himself. And he will love through you. Don't pray that he will teach you to have joy. Pray that the living God full of joy would enter into you. Don't pray that he would teach you how to be peaceful. Ask for the God of peace, the Prince of peace, to fill you. Because if you try to imitate him in your own strength, you will be a miserable replica. But if you allow the impartation of Jesus to overtake you, suddenly it all works. Because it is him imitating himself. And he's very good at being God. Let's pray. Our Lord, use your word tells us to abide in Christ and his life will flow through us. Father, right now, we connect to you, especially in your love. Right now, as we celebrate the gospel, as we go to communion, we abide in you. When we leave this table, when we leave this place, may we not stop abiding in you. Amen.